Hey, y'all. <laughs> listen, listen, don't come for me. I know it's been a while. Don't look at me like that. I see how you're looking at me through the speaker. Okay, I know. I know it's been a little bit, but hey, I'm back now. That's all that matters. All right, you are listening to the Rise and Grow podcast with me, your girl, Melinda Rackley, the inspiration engineer. And listen, 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 Linda, okay? We have a new series going on. So one of the last series that we did a few months ago was boundaries. And now we're going to get a little bit more specific and we're going to talk about boundaries in dating. So, you know the deal, nothing has changed. Sit back, relax, buckle your seatbelt, grab your pencil, grab your paper, and meet me right back here in 30 seconds. <laughs> the Rise and Grow podcast is sponsored by Rack House Writers Academy. Great writers are no accident. Let us help you learn the strategies and skills to become an excellent writer. Give us a call today at 904-530-4254. That's 904-530-4254. All right, friends, we are back. And listen, I'm super excited about this series because we are going to talk about boundaries. Now, I know that it's hard sometimes to create and maintain healthy boundaries in dating relationships. So that is why we are going to spend the next 10 weeks, 10 whole weeks talking about boundaries, okay? And if you have not already done so, please go to thesacredsisterhood.net and register for the free 10-week course where we are in an intimate Zoom room every Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we talk through the book, uh, Boundaries in Dating, and just life experiences. So you don't have to have the book to join the group, um, but we do reference that book because it does provide provide a solid foundation to build healthy boundaries in dating. So we had our first session uh, about a week ago now, and it was dynamic. So again, if just register. Um, and when you register on the sacredsisterhood.net, you are able to get the recordings and you're able to have that recording for one week um, before it goes away. So if you can't make it on Saturday mornings, that's fine. Go ahead and register so that way you can still get the recordings. But last week was phenomenal because we were really talking about uh, truth and boundaries. We were talking about the foundation, you know, how boundaries are developed. What is a boundary? You know, um, the freedom and responsibility in dating with boundaries. And then we talked about truth in chapter two. Today, I'm going to be joined by the co-host for the Boundaries Group, Miss Shayatiel Zavon. I just love her name. It's very fancy. Um, and she's going to share her take on chapter two about truth uh, and boundaries and and then she's also going to share some valuable nuggets for people who are married or they're considering marriage or, you know, if you have daughters and you want to talk to them about relationships that may lead to marriage. She has some very valuable nuggets. So listen, I want you to sit back. Don't relax too hard. Now, don't fall asleep. Um, but listen in to our recap of chapter one and chapter two is this phenomenal. Just take a listen.
So I know it's only been a week, but I think it's so funny when we go through groups like this, we always are able to see areas like in our life in real time that we need to adjust or revisit um, and set healthy boundaries in just with basic relationships. So where it says what's inside your boundaries. I love how they talk about how other someone else can try to control those things that are within our boundaries that are, you know, ours to control. Um, So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was just thinking about so often we get so caught up on what we don't want or what we're trying to keep out, the negativity. We don't don't really take time to take account of the positive things. Like you said, what's in our control. We're so focused on the other person. We're not focused, you know, on what we have control over. And I've learned in relationships that is something I struggle with and just through other people in trying to control me as far as these things that are within my boundaries. Especially in like a relationship sense. And I, I think it's very interesting because you have a different perspective, whereas you've been married. I've never been married. So I don't know, you know, because some of these things in marriage, it's like you share them with your spouse. So how yeah. do you keep yours separate and then the boundaries together that are supposed to be together? When you have a healthy marriage, it's easier to to ascertain or to delineate what's in your boundaries and what's in theirs and then what you guys are sharing um, uh, together. I did not have a healthy marriage. So there were a lot of things that that should have, I would say that should have been shared that I did not with my spouse because I still operated in somewhat a sense of a silo. Like I still operated almost like a single, single mother, mm-hmm. even though I was married. So, um, do you feel like that had a lot to do with just safety or feeling, um, that you could share that space or what, what contributes to that? Like in the dating or marriage relationship, what contributes to still keeping that, that distance and that separation? So wanting to have my own autonomy and like, you know, trying so hard not to lose myself or lose the freedom of myself in this person, but we, I was looking at it as, you know, like, I'm my own person. You know, I've been doing this before I met you. I, I, I was a mom before I met you. I know how to take care of myself. I'm independent. But I lost myself in so many other ways. Mm. That had absolutely nothing to do with that. As far wow. as, you know, it was like, I, it, this is me, it was all about me and my daughter. You know, I put her, her wants and needs first because I was a single mom. But there were things that he needed as my husband that I would still neglect because I was still looking out for just me and, and my child. But then uh, there, there were other ways where I just allowed things to slide that I shouldn't have. Like when it came to me expressing how I actually felt about the way he made me feel or the way he was treating me, I, I really wasn't able to do that. I, I felt like I was walking on eggshells. So in one way, I was trying to hold on to my individuality, but in another way, I, I, I kind of lost it. And that makes so much sense because like later on down on page, on page 30 and 31, it talks about how boundary problems show themselves. Yes. And one of the things, like you said, you know, in our session, loss of freedom, of course, something that everybody can relate to. 
But it also sounds like with you, you know, in that marriage, you might have been a little bit of, you know, being with the wrong person or, you know, dating from hurt rather than our values or freedom without responsibility. Those things, you know, all sound like they played a role in it. Do you feel like there was anything, any one of the boundary problems that showed itself that was bigger than the rest of the other issues that you may have had? So in my marriage, one of the things that played a big part into, I feel like the demise of it was uh, sexual impropriety. Mm. So before we were married, we were just dating and we were engaged. Of course, we were having premarital sex. So when I pushed back on that, you know, it's hard to go in reverse. (laughs) And when you've already gotten the ball rolling, it's hard to say, well, you know what? I think I just want to pull back on that and we're not going to do that at all or not as much. It's hard to say, it's hard to, to do that when it comes to things like that, which is why it's best to have those boundaries in place to begin with, because it's, it's, it's so easy to lower a wall, but to raise one back up, it's, it's mighty difficult. Yeah. And so when you do things like that, it's not that you, it's not like that the other person doesn't have responsibility and they're not responsible for how they act or respond to you saying no to them. But you have to take the onus in that you allowed it to happen to begin with. Mm. That you didn't set those correct or those appropriate physical limits. And take responsibility for yourself and say, hey, you know, we're not, I'm going to only allow this to go so far. And had I done that, to be honest, I would have realized before engagement, before marriage, that he was the wrong person. And it would have spared us a lot of hurt. Because I know the type of person that he was, me saying no, he would have got fed up with that really quickly. And mm-hmm. that would have that would have just shown a light on who he was and what what uh should I say what motivated him? What was his motivation in the relationship to begin with? Yeah. So now that you are able to like see that in this new dating space or relationship space that you're in, how do you navigate? differently knowing what you know now like how what is the new boundary that you set for yourself in that area and that you can help other women set for themselves absolutely I just in my experience it has not ended well it has not voted well for me absolutely when it comes to sexual impropriety absolutely um no, no, no being at each other's house late at night, no being in any compromising positions that could lead to anything. Um, just all just be ever mindful because you're just getting to know the person. There's no need to cut, convolute the situation with 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 all of those additional emotions that sex adds into into the situation. And a lot of times sex, sex clouds your judgment. Yeah. Don't think clearly. Your body even responds differently. Different parts of your brain are active. You know, it even sends out different different chemical responses in your body when you're engaging in sex with a person. So I would say that is that right there. To just have a relationship almost like you're in high school where you're just, just getting to know you, just hug, holding hands, that type of stuff. I would say is best, especially in just starting out. I love that. That's perfect advice. And then, like, as we wrap up just our chapter one review, I know you really enjoyed the, the takeaway tips. Which one was your favorite? 
I would have to say learning, learn to value what your boundaries protect, such as your emotions are. So that right there, I hadn't been focused, I had not been focusing on what it protected, what it was protecting me, or what what it was protecting inside of me, as opposed to what it was protecting me from. Mm-hmm. I, my fear was, I was so fear-based and focused on, you know, what I was being protected from, as opposed to what I was actually guarding and protecting and keeping close to my heart. Yeah. I love it. That's a really good point. And I love the the um, quote at the bottom. It says, good boundaries will help you choose better quality people because they help you become a better person. And that yeah. is so true. <laughs> that is so true. So then that brings us to chapter two, which was actually one of my favorites. Fair uh, and embodied truth. Uh, so what are some things that stood out, you know, from the beginning of chapter two to you? Man, like the second paragraph literally was like, as soon as there's any kind of deception, stop everything. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Dead in its tracks. Like, nip it straight in the bud. Like, don't even, like, do not pass, go, do not collect $200. It's like, there, no, there is no relationship if there's deception. What yeah. relationship? You literally, you just broke the contract. You already in void of the contract out the gate. So, no, there's no relationship. Yeah. And it's so it can be hard to, you know, mm-hmm. cut it off or to see it for what it is. You know, when you are deceived the first time, don't let a second time happen. And I'm so guilty of that. Like, you know, just kind of brushing off the first time. Like, oh, that wasn't what I thought it was. I had a discussion with my dad um, not too long ago. And I was like, it's funny because men are so, sim- so much simpler than we give them credit for that we realize what he said was what he meant. Don't you try to put any additional meaning to it. Women talk and we will have an opposite meaning and, you know, you got to read between the lines and it's all this other stuff attached to it. If he said that, honey, black and white, that's what he meant. Yeah. Don't add anything. Don't take away none of that. And we, I know I do, I, I do that often. Yeah, that's so true. And I, you know, I've recently gotten into a space where I'm like, no, just take people for whatever they say. You know, Absolutely. don't read your emotions. And I think I like the the author when he said a lot of times if we don't take the time to work on ourselves and our boundaries and our truth, then our people picker will remain broken and we'll keep mm. picking broken people out of our brokenness. Right. So like, you know, you're walking around, you're deceived. And I, I feel like if you are deceived about yourself, you won't be able to recognize deception in other people. So like, it's like you have to take time and get to know who you are. And when you can fully trust yourself and your boundaries and what you know to be true without a doubt, you know, then you might go on a date. (laughs) Right. I also love the part where it talks about um, the lady and she's dating the guy and she liked all of the time she spent with him and the wonderful places that he took her and the events and things they went to. But she did not take the time and I wrote in the, in the margin listen to what your body said mm-hmm. so she was not she was like purposely ignoring how she felt about him yeah because she was enjoying all the perks but she didn't really want a relationship with him and then I highlighted it says but as soon as it says 
There's nothing wrong with dating someone, enjoying their company, finding out where the relationship, where a relationship is going to go. That's literally the definition of dating. However, but as soon as someone is sure that dating is not going anywhere uh, or where the other person thinks or hopes that it is, that person has the responsibility to tell the other person clearly and honestly. And it's so many times I've, I've realized that I've been on both sides of that where someone didn't tell me out the gate that it wasn't going anywhere. And they had just allowed me to go on thinking that everything was uh, peaches and cream and everything was cool. And I've also been, I was like, wow, I don't feel for them what I thought or how strongly they feel for me. Yeah. Yeah. I probably should, should let this go. Yeah. And now yeah. that person is more hurt than they had to be. Had I told them three months ago or when I, when they first said something to me about it, I could have been like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not there yet. At least let them know that I, I heard what you said and you said, I love you. I can honestly say I don't feel that at this time. Yeah. And I think it's even before it gets to that I love you point, you know, we all get those little feelings inside that show True. us somebody starting to feel something. So if it gets to that I love you point, you don't let that thing ride out a long time. <laughs> well, that also depends on the guy because you have some guys who will love bomb you out the gate with the I love you. Now that's they don't mean no good. That, yeah. <laughs> they don't mean no good with that. Well, I love you is not for real though. It's not a for real I love you. But it almost makes it makes you feel like you have to feel the same way or get in the same mindset or hurry up or speed up your process mm-hmm. in dealing with them. And I wrote I wrote down in the side of I had someone tell me, I don't think I'm the guy for you. That when they said it, when they said it, I cried and I was like, no, 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 no. And kind of like go back to what we talked about on the other day about projecting how we feel about them onto what they're feeling or showing us. Yeah. That's literally another way of him saying this isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's another way of him saying that without saying it. And you have some people that are intentionally being deceptive in their wording to have you think something different or not think think of it in as negative a way as it should be perceived or as uh, definitive in a way as it should be perceived. You have people that are, you know, they real good about skating around what they want to say. So they still have access to you. Yeah. Uh, but I'm learning now, if they say, I don't think I'm the guy for you because they really want you to say, oh no, no, yes you are. Please, no, let, we can work this out. But then they still go on with the treatment of I'm not the guy for you. What they really mean is you're not the girl for me and I don't see this going anywhere. But I will continue to 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 take whatever it is you offer me and use you for whatever I can. Yeah. And that's not with every guy that says that. But I know for certain now that if somebody says that to me, I'm like, okay, well, I don't see this working. If you don't if you don't see that you're the guy for me, then okay, I can understand it. Yeah. And I think that's that's such I know that's something that comes with time because I think I was the same way where you try to make someone fit because you see them in your life for whatever reason, but they don't see you in theirs. And they're, they're up front with you. They're like, well, I don't know if it's going nowhere. Or I'm not sure where it's headed. And now I'm at a point too in my life. It's like, if you're not sure about me, bro, go on, brother, go on. Because one thing love is not is unsure. Yes. Now I love the, the six, um, ways that we can be deceived um in the world of dating and one that 
really sticks out to me is deception about being friends because I know Ooh. in my life I've had at least one or two relationships where the man's like, oh, we just friends, but there's some other little underlying things going on. Like that's friends don't do that. Okay. Right. Friends don't do that. <laughs> friends don't hug and kiss and do all of the stuff that we doing. Right. So I think it's like we have to know what something looks like. And for me, that's right now I'm in a space of defining or even with my daughter, I'll ask her, she'll say, she'll say something and I'll ask her, okay, what does that look like? Or what does that feel like? So now when someone is saying, you know, I'm your friend or let's be friends, I want to be clear about what that looks like. Let's not what be- the definition of friends is. Right. <laughs> right. We're going to set the boundaries and define the friendship. Yes, because people do pretend and they have other motives, you know? They, they're trying to get whatever it is that they're trying to get and you're just there for the ride to be a friend, <laughs> you know? So I think that is one that to me, it stuck out because it, it can apply not just to the dating world, but to just life. And then moving forward, it's like uh, another one that I also like was deception about hurt and conflict. Um, when people are not honest about what hurts them um, or what enables you to resolve the hurt or the conflict. It's like, and I realize that this only happens in relationships that are immature. You know, immature people will say, I'm fine. And they're really not right. fine. <laughs> you know? right. They'll say they're fine, but then they will continue to operate with you out of their hurt. Yeah. So that's, you're not fine at all because you're, 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 you're handling me or dealing with me out of the hurt that you felt that you have not expressed to me. Mm -hmm. And that's how I gauge, you know, if someone should be in my life, because just like it, the, the book points out in Proverbs verse nine chapter or chapter nine, verse eight, it says people who can handle confrontation and feedback are the ones who can make relationships work. And I realized like if somebody can't handle feedback or they get all crazy and, Oh my gosh. Because you have some people that they can tell you you need to do this, you need to do that. And then when you say, Well, I also I um I hear you. I accept that I own that. Now I have some notes in regard to you, some things that I've noticed. Then they want to come down on you and run the gamut on you about how basically you're no you're in no position to tell them anything about themselves. Yeah. Because they're at a better off state in life than you. I had somebody tell me that. Well, I don't know why they're saying because I got more money in my bank and I got more. What? What? That makes no sense. Yeah. If we can learn from children, you can learn from somebody who's who's not in a, as a good a state in life as you. Right. And that's the thing. It's like no matter what state a person is in their life, if they are seeking wisdom and if they're connected to God, you can learn something from that person. Correct. There's always something to be learned, period, in this life. That's why that's what we're here for. If you can't learn, and you, there's nothing else you can be taught in life. You, you are really, and you maxed out. Yeah, that's not good. You should always be be teachable. Yeah, yeah. And then I love that it talks about two types of liars. Uh, oh, I remember when I researched. I researched lying a while ago, and I looked up like the definition of lying, like their lies of omission and commission. I was like, wait a minute, these different types of lies. Okay. Now, listen, this is interesting. Now, you know you're going to have to tell us the backstory. What made you research the two types of liars? So this was when I was actually going through the process process of my divorce in 2020. 
And I was like, how can somebody lie, but they're not lying? Or should I say this? They're telling you facts, but it's not the truth. Mm-hmm. It's factual, but it ain't truthful. It's not honest. Yeah. It's like, for instance, um, I know if you ever seen the movie, Medea Goes to Jail. She tells her, you know, God, if you say, if you get me out of jail, I'm going to go by the church. So she gets out of jail and she's riding in the car. And her daughter says, well, mama, didn't you say you're going to go to church? She said, I did. She did. They passed by the church. Because guess what she said? She did. She left the loophole. She never said she was going to go in or attend the service. She said she's going to go by it. Yeah. Those are lies of omission. Where they leave stuff out. They leave just enough wiggle room so they can say, I didn't say that. Yeah. They didn't say that, but it was not the truth because they knew how you understood it and how you took it. One of the most powerful sermons that I will never forget is the sermon that Bishop T.D. Jakes, he was talking and it was just one line. It was so powerful. And he just said, love has no loopholes. Mm. And that was so powerful because I think I've met a few shade gradies, you know, they, they find all the loopholes and everything. And it's like, that's not love. You don't love yourself. You don't love what you're doing. You certainly don't love me if you're trying to find a loophole. So I love that you just said that about lying, you know, and you can always tell when somebody's lying and they're trying to look for the loophole or they skirting around just telling you everything. And in the book, it says there are two categories of liars. First, there are liars who lie out of shame, guilt, fear, of conflict or or loss of love and other fears. The second category are liars who lie as a way of operating and deceiving others for their own selfish Mm ends. I can honestly say I have met both types of liars in one person. (laughs) I was just about to say, I was just about to say, how do you distinguish between the two? Because what if the person is doing both of those things? I think at first it started out, you know, being shame, but then you just had to keep it up. Right. So you just added on to the lie. When you lie about things, nobody even asked you. Yeah. You volunteered a lie. lie You didn't have to take. Right. But it may, it also, it makes you like wonder the internal state of a person when they just volunteer a lie. And I think those kind of people, they just want love and attention, but that's not the way to get it. You know, I'll pray for them, but I will not be in their life. (laughs) And then as we close out chapter two, it talks about truth being the essential boundary. Um, And I love this quote. It says, we believe that truthfulness is the basis for almost anything. You should have an absolute zero tolerance policy when it comes to deception. Lying should have no place in your life. And I agree with that. But I also extend a little bit of grace, maybe not to the point of being stupid anymore, but I extend a little bit of grace to people that I'm not dating when they lie, just because I remember when I used to lie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it's like, I give them grace because I don't have to date them. I don't have to be in a relationship with them and I don't have to be in close proximity with them. I just forgive them and keep moving on with my life. Piggybacking off of what you said about you, like you said, if you're not in a relationship with them, you let it go and forgive them. And it talks about that, how, you know, if they just lie once or deceive you once, it doesn't mean the relationship is over call it quit because there have been times in my younger years it's like oh mm-mm, bye <laughs> and um I don't know whether it's spared me or whatever or if that would go hand in hand with the no dating as it talks about in the book but um in chapter two the takeaway that I 
um, that I like most, should I say that one of the takeaways actually in the back of the chapter, honesty is the bedrock of any relationship and dating is no exception. When deception appears, let that be a big warning sign. Put the brakes on. So my takeaway from chapter two is you cannot heal what is concealed. If it happened, it needs to be addressed, not just acknowledged, not just I see you and I know you're lying to me. No, I see you. I know you're lying and we're going to talk about it and we're going to get to the bottom of it and we're going to get to the truth of it. And if we don't, I can no longer be here. Yeah. I love that. And then it's like getting that person to understand that we may have to talk about it more than once, more than twice, more than three times until it is resolved. And I am clear that it won't happen again. People, I think they try to rush yeah, it's like, are we still talking about this when somebody when somebody talks to you about your emotions and how you feel and your process and they say, are you still on this? Are we still talking about this? Yes, I am still processing it and you cannot rush my process. And if you feel so that you choose to want to rush my process, then you are not right for me. That's true. It will show you a lot about a person based on how they handle you. If you handle me with care. I might be able to be around you, but if you are rough and trying to rush me, I don't think so. Because Jesus is a gentleman. Um, any other things that you want to share about the boundaries book or boundaries in dating or just anything? I will say that I thought, you know, that I was doing, you know, this time around the sun, I was doing a pretty good job as far as setting boundaries. This book has caused me to take a look at those that I put in place those that I had in place that I that I that I somehow uh, let go of or I've uh, become more relaxed in, and it's just like just causing me to take an account of of myself because I'm only responsible for me. So no matter who I meet or run into, I'm only responsible for how I respond in the situation, and I'm grateful for. For even getting my hands on this book, because I have the original, but this is is a um, a much deeper perspective. And I like that he decided that the author decided to uh, write a targeted book specifically for dating. This is definitely a powerful book, and like you said, it will cause you to really evaluate and reevaluate, and then evaluate again. <laughs> you know what you have in place and it just opens your heart and mind. Like if you allow him to, he opens you to a whole different world of peace, love, joy, and you see people as opportunities to grow, you know, and expand your light and, and experience their light in their life. So this is a beautiful journey. Thank you for joining the journey with me and with us. Thank you for allowing me to embark on this. All right, my friends. Now you cannot tell me that was not a powerful recap of Boundaries in Dating chapters one through two. And Shea TL really dropped some valuable nuggets that even I took notes on, okay? So join us, join us, please join us. It is a free 10 week boundaries group and to join, all you have to do is visit the sacredsisterhood.net 
and just click join the sisterhood group it is absolutely positively free so free that we'll even give you a free ebook of boundaries in dating because we are so passionate about helping you through this time so i hope to see you this saturday and every saturday for 10 weeks at 10 30 a.m est time um, in our zoom room where we're going to talk about boundaries and dating and learn and grow together all right my friends our time together has come to an end but please remember that the rest of your days are the best of your days let's live well together i hope to have you here with me again on the rise and grow podcast with me your girl melinda rackley the inspiration engineer bye friends